Hi, I'm Beth Rebus, author of The Princess and the Scoundrel and Rebel Rising, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Don't do that. A Utini Podcast Network production. Do what? Episode 183, The Princess and the Scoundrel Roundtable, Part 2. Anything. On this episode, a Utini fantasy football update. I'm trying to be helpful. The High Republic Path of Deceit is now out. And don't say the Death Star. And the roundtable conversation about the Star Wars novel The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revis continues. And now, here are your hosts. Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, Wes Jenkins, and guest host Emma Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Living Force UTD Network podcast all about Princess and the Scoundrel this evening, at least. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight on our glorious second part of our roundtable is a full cast of characters, starting off with Dr. Charles Hankel. How's it going, buddy? I miss hey, you. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, I think you might be working off of an outdated uh, outdated roundtable prompt here oh, because, yeah, I just watched uh, episode six of Rings of Power, and now that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Oh! Awesome. Good, no good. Uh, for those of you that have watched the episode six of Rings of Power, uh, you may understand why that's all you want to talk about. We could also uh, talk about the most recent episode, House of the Dragon, if we want. Um, point is, there's a lot of great TV going on right now, and I want to be watching all of it, but instead I'm stuck here with some of my greatest friends, including Dr. Charles Hankel, but also including the hunter, the stalker, the light and the darkness, the blade in the bushes, Wes Jenkins. Hello, everybody. I was in the woods this weekend, and even though I did not come back with um, groceries for the freezer, I did go to the place where mosquitoes were invented. So if you'd like (laughs) to get bitten and possibly get malaria, uh, take a drive down to South Texas because they are plentiful right now, and they are sucking the blood of idiots that go out at uh, 530 in the morning. If you've ever heard a better (laughs) travel agent pitch, I want to know. Uh, we're glad you survived your ordeal and are here with us. We are also, of course, glad to have our very special guest on the show, uh, taking place of Dr. Corey Helton, who we will catch you up on in just a little bit. But we have the fantastic, the wonderful, the I finished a book in a day, Emma Park. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, I did it again. I finished a book in a day for a roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is like the third time it's happened. It's um, madness. But it was good. I mean, you know, I'm also like, I'm so down to talk about Beth Rivas. So, you know, and Princess Leia. I mean, it's good. It's good. I'm really glad to be here. Well, we are so happy to have you popping in for the roundtable discussion, of course. Uh, speaking of Beth Rivas, we want to give a very special announcement this evening. Did not plan this. Today happens to be Beth Rivas's birthday. So happy birthday. Uh, we're so Yay. glad we get to enjoy your work today. And chat about it a bit. I hope you had a lovely, lovely day. But we also want to say a great happy birthday to our great friend JG on the Utini team uh, who celebrated a birthday today. Uh, If you're lucky enough to know JG, uh, he is one of the most shining lights you could ever hope to meet. Uh, Whether you met him at Celebration, know him digitally, or lucky enough to be on the team with him. Uh, It's just such a joy uh, every single day. So JG, I hope you're having a great time. Uh, I'm still. I'm sorry that the Steelers are bad now. Um, <laughs> but, but 
Happy birthday, JG, from everybody yes. at the Living Force. Yay! <laughs> Happy birthday. Luckily, you don't have to play the Jets again. Uh, I, I can't get off it. It's just hilarious. Uh, must, don't trash talk him on his birthday. That's totally all right, weird. all right. That's fair. We'll, we'll let you have this one, buddy. Uh, now, speaking of close friends, dear, near and dear to our hearts, uh, Dr. Corey Helton is not with us tonight because he's actually fulfilling a lifelong uh, dream and goal today. As you know, he and Kate have been in Hawaii the last month or so. They're almost done, almost ready to be home. But today was a huge banner list item. And he and Kate did get to go to Pearl Harbor. And he sent us a photo, many photos in Slack, but one he wanted us to share with you guys. Uh, this is Corey atop a glorious battleship with some of the biggest guns I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and uh, in all sincerity, Corey was sharing a lot of this with us in Slack today. And I got to say, it was it was pretty sobering to like see all that stuff. You know, Pearl Harbor, it, it's so long ago, and World War II is so you know, kind of legendary in its scope, and it doesn't feel real sometimes. So to uh, to see Corey there, I think, was, I mean, it, it hit me in a way. You know what I mean, guys? Like, Yeah. It was it a is, lot. Um, it was very iconic. If you are in any kind of um, way interested in, in military or, the, um, or, the, or, like, past military battles, Pearl Harbor is, like, one of the top three to, to see, especially um, for the U.S. based. So this is a big thing to kick off or to knock off his bucket list. So super excited for him. That's the USS Missouri. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's a nice day. I, I wouldn't think they would they would not have bad days out there. I mean, it's <laughs> Hawaii for, for, for crying out yeah, loud. Yeah, they're not but... legally allowed to have those. <laughs> it's just, there's the one hurricane that happened when they were filming Jurassic Park and everything else is nice. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we miss you, buddy. We're glad you're having that. It's uh, such a day, but very excited for you to be back stateside. All right, next up, a quick announcement for the week that we're about to have, everyone. We're recording this, of course, on Monday, October 3rd. Tomorrow, October 4th, is release day for the Higher Public Path of Deceit. The Higher Public's back, baby! Phase yeah. 2 officially starts tomorrow with a YA novel. We've been trying to, to preach the good word and let everybody know that as opposed to phase one, where we went adult novel, middle grade YA, phase two, we're starting with YA, then middle grade, then adult novel. I know it's confusing. I'm sure there was a really, really good reason for initially doing this that way. <laughs> I love you so much, Del Rey and Disney Lucasfilm, but this could have been easier. Um, but tomorrow, <laughs> Path of Deceit does come out, and just as we do with all of our UTD review release days, you are going to get a written review. You are going to get a video review tomorrow, so be sure to check out the website, utd.com, and check the YouTube channel, where we have a first-time video review host. Um, you've seen this host on our YouTube channel, on our TikTok. Um, but Emma uh, had had the, the glorious task of editing that review today, and um, without giving any spoilers away, I don't know if it's really a spoiler, but I think they did pretty good. I think they did pretty well. What do you think, editor? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I, I definitely think so. I'll tell you right now. Uh, you know, he worked through the obstacle of having a newborn baby and still was able to record. So I really respect that a lot. <laughs> we do this for you all. This is what yep. we do for y'all. So uh, get ready for that tomorrow uh, on next week's Living Force. We were actually going to bring you a full Phase One recap show, uh, so you can remember what happened in Phase One of the High Republic. Because you know what, you might have pre-ordered the book. Maybe you're not starting it right away. 
totally up to you. But we're going to make sure next week you're ready for all the Easter eggs and stuff you may find in this book right here. But, of course, just in case you can't get enough High Republic, because who can, really? This previous week on the Star Wars YouTube channel, we got not only a character video of uh, one of the new players in High Republic Phase 2. They do those little animated things. But today, they did release a full trailer for Phase 2, which is super fun. Uh, so if you haven't yet, go ahead over to the YouTube channel. Check out that. Uh, Charles, Wes, and Emma, did you guys check out the, uh, the Phase 2 trailer today by any chance in your, in your busy lives? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah? And it was full of beautiful art. And I'm like, which one of these is going to be the cover of the next book? <laughs> right? It was gorgeous. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, um, but I'm really looking forward to it. And was there new art in it? Yeah, it was on the YouTube yeah, channel. Lot. Yeah, a lot. There was like a, a lot of like concept, all that stuff. So behind the scenes, Emma was DMing me last night, being like, "There's no concept yeah. art for Phase Two in this video." It came out today. Sorry, Emma. <laughs> good. No, no, it, it's good. It's good. It's not too late. We can we can yep. still get some new art, and it'll, yeah. be it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> it was really cool, and I always like that they kind of pump this up like a like a show release. So. Make sure to go check out that trailer if you can. It's tons and tons of fun. Next up, we have our Utini Fantasy Update. Every week I try to bring you the highest score of the week. And this week is pretty special because two reasons. Number one, my glorious partner Charlie is our current highest scoring fantasy player of the week with 153.7 fantasy points. Nice. But y'all, she started Alvin Kamara. Who did not play <laughs> because the London what? game was at like 8 in the morning and they and they called him out of the game at like 7 a.m. on a Sunday and we weren't awake. Um, but yeah, Charlie dominated our fantasy league while playing a guy that didn't play. What a champ. Just, I've never been more yeah. proud. It was spectacular. So That is amazing. Shout out to you, honey. I'm so proud. Uh, I am currently winning my matchup as well this week, which I'm very happy about. Uh, Emma, oh what my God! Charlie's record. Let's uh, yeah, yeah. It looks like it I'm out. gonna How win. How are we doing here? Yeah, it looks like I'm gonna win this week, and that'll make me three and one, which is by far my best uh, fantasy start like in my life. So <laughs> that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, you're, you're riding there on. Uh, you got you got you know Patty Mahomes. Mike Evans had a good week yeah. for you. Freaking uh, Miles Sanders was finally good. Oh, I know. So strange. <laughs> My goodness. But great, great week but for you. Eric, by the way, you're, you're taking down an undefeated, right? I am. Uh, yeah. I, or wait, no. No, that's not me. No, I'm oh, taking down. <laughs> Wes's. Is. is that oh, you, Wes? Oh, Wes's. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're taking down Andrew's Andrew. Andrew's undefeated? Yeah. Well, he How was. How is Andrew undefeated? Because <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I have no idea. He has two players right now. Is George Kittle and you know like a kicker That's or something true. doesn't really matter, and I have Cooper Cup, the the all illustrious, all catching, all point scoring Cooper Cup. So I mean, I bet he puts in a dud today, and then Andrew <laughs> goes on to gloat just a little bit more tomorrow. <laughs> well, everyone, if you want to hope that the Living Force hosts get a little more pride, and Andrew gets knocked down just a little more of a peg, let's hope uh, that that it works out for us. And that is all the fantasy talk for today. Thank you all so much for coming to this TED Talk. Um, we, we do love doing this so much. And stay tuned for our progress throughout this season. And uh, just wait for the week where I finally uh, give in and sign Cooper Rush because maybe he's a good quarterback. <laughs> I'm not excited about that. 
Uh, next up, I want to give a shout out to our buddy Jordan, uh, who is running our current Utini Discord event. Dude, you sent me a picture of the bracket, and I did not upload it in our show notes. This is all my fault. But the Utini Higher Public Phase One Bracket Challenge is going strong still. And I want guys, I'm going to list off some of the recent victors of their respective matches. I think it's only it's only appropriate. Mm. Um, so since we last you know left our intrepid heroes, I believe the last one was was Court One. We then had a Cyan Holt taking down Pan Ada, Ooh, which I think is great. Nice. Uh, we had Lula Talisola losing to Buriaga. Oh, oh that, that's uh, a hard one. It's a tough one. I, I voted for Lula yeah. myself, but that is very, very hard. Um, we had Cantum Psy, one of our favorites, losing to Loden Greatstorm. Uh, oh, wow. Just tough, tough. Uh, Stellan Geos taking down Lily Torasi from Edge of Balance. The most lopsided, though, thus far. Oh, God. Was Zine Morala just slaughtering Crick's Camerat uh, 29 to 1. Um, 29 really to 1? Marvelous. So as, as she should. <laughs> as she should. High Republic Adventures fans, when are you voting for Crick's? I don't trust you. Um <laughs> But then another, another big one is Brandon just put in the chat. Uh, Bell Zetafar, we love him, we adore him, uh, took out Avar Chris. Bell Zetafar. Whoa. Avar so Chris. in the first round, Markeon Rowe and Avar Chris knocked out. Who, the up and comer who, takes out the veteran. This, this, who was Markeon up vet. again? He was, it was like he was up against big, Elzar. Right? Elzar. Elzar, yeah. Elzar. Yeah, yeah. That was a tough one. These first round matchups are insane. <laughs> it was rough. Uh, but of course, if you want to join in on the fun, go to the Utini Discord, uh, go to the High Republic channel or the event tag. Uh, every night there's a new poll of people voting for their favorites. It's going to keep going for a while. Uh, such a fun time when the community can get together and kind of do that and have some fun. And uh, again, I don't know who's going to win, but I we know who's not. At least for a couple. But anyway, thank you so much to all of our people in our Discord community. You do make Utini such a fun time. And all of you that either listen to us, watch us, hang out with us on Twitter, or join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash Utini. We love you so much. We appreciate it so much. We hope that all of you on Patreon are enjoying the Star Wars Archives 50th episode spectacular that will, again, be only exclusive to Patreon. We've had a lot of great comments about it in Discord. We've had some folks uh, that are brand new patrons getting into light speed skipping for the first time. Remember that show? Wow. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> my gosh. Uh, a lot a lot of great fun has been had on that Patreon feed, so we hope you're all enjoying that so much. Um, and everyone else, if you do want to join, what a great time to you got the full Asheville documentary up there right now. You got all the exclusive podcasts and you got all our behind the scenes footage from celebration. It's all on the Utini.com Patreon. Uh, and we can't wait to see more of you in that community. All right. Now, surprisingly, Star Wars didn't drop a whole lot of news this week because they knew that Charles had a second half of a round table to get through. So everyone, all I'm going <laughs> to do now is remind you one final time. To get your pre-orders in, because you know you want to pre-order the High Republic Path of Deceit. If you're watching tonight, it can still be a pre-order. Out tomorrow, October 4th, and the High Republic Quest for the Hidden City out November 1st. And after that, we go to the High Republic Convergence. The adult level by Zerata Cordova out November 22nd. And of course, always go to the new release page. Constantly updated by our team here at UTE to make sure it's accurate. Get all those affiliate links. Help out the show. Fill up your Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million... Book, li- book list? Book, list. book shop. Book shop. That's it. Whatever affiliate you want to use, 
Uh, make sure you get your pre-orders in and get all your books. All right. Yes. With all that being said, it is time to go to the man that is st- stable in his mind and unstable in his video connection. <laughs> it's Dr. Charles Hankel. It's time to leave this round table, buddy. We'll see what free stream you land on thanks, right now. Thanks for, uh, thanks for just putting <laughs> oh, up a no. picture of me, Wes. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, if, you, if you're watching live, uh, you can still hear me. That's all that really matters, right? So I can hear you. No. I can feel you. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and talk about Galadriel first. I think that's probably where we should start <laughs> things off. Absolutely. No, we're not going to talk about Rings of Power, but I do want to talk about something else that's just incredibly Theo? I, know what you I, I didn't either. About, by the way, let's, oh. talk about, let's talk about Theo and how much he sucks. <laughs> yeah, we we could no, but I want to talk about something else that's incredibly expensive, and that's the Halcyon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's kick this off with a, a question about that, because this book is one among several recently that serves as both a story and a bit of an advertisement, right, for some mm-hmm. of Disney's real-life Star Wars attractions. And I think we would all agree that the story is what should take precedent for us mm-hmm. as the audience. Was this book successful in putting story first, or did you find yourself distracted by the promotion of the Halcyon? Ooh. I want to hijack this for a second before I answer. And I realize, uh, okay. Emma, what did you think of the book? <laughs> you were on last week's show. I was like, wait a minute. Emma, you need to tell us about what you thought about Han Solo, what you so thought about Leia, Leia, what you thought about uh, her production of Vader, their marriage. Yeah. Everything we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Briefly, okay. what did you think of the book? Briefly, I enjoyed it. You know, I think this does not beat out Rebel Rising in terms of, like, Beth Rebus books. Um, but... Still really solid. I liked – there's a lot of connections to a lot of other things. Like there was some bloodline vibes and, and some uh, – there was some stuff from comics even. Like they mentioned freaking Crimson Rain. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was insane. That was so, rad. Um, I really liked – it felt very connected to everything else. Um, and I also just enjoyed getting a, a more thorough breakdown of Han and Leia's relationship. I don't think that we've ever gotten it like this broken down in canon before. Um, and I thought it was a really neat look into their relationship. And, you know, also just seeing what the status of the galaxy was at that time, you know, like, oh, they just happened upon a, a random uh, surviving Imperial cell. Like, we don't really get those stories very frequently. So, yeah, who the fuck? Yeah, yeah, a lot, of, yeah. a lot of interesting new stuff. I thought it was like incredibly original compared to stuff we've gotten uh, in canon before. So, I was, I was pleased with it for sure. Yeah, that's a good take. Originality. Yeah. Yeah. had a lot of original takes in there in that book. You're right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, I want to make sure we got that. Um, I do want to hit your your question here, Charles, because I I, um, was very critical about this when it came to Black Spire back in the day. Remember Black Spire when we were on episode, like, I don't know, 17 of this podcast? Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Back in the day. um, Black Spire was the first one that kind of threatened to go into that realm and i remember us talking about it way back when when we were all young and there wasn't a covid and all that stuff we're like (laughs) you know those times um that book started off like kind of threatening to become a little advertising and then it really subverted it with like the cardinal and vi stuff and it really became Mm -hmm. really good um for this book i actually thought that it was successful and also not because it was successful in just being a story for me. 
I found the Halcyon a, a character. I liked that Han was going to, you know, the engine room and, and looking for the card games, and Leia was actually enjoying the, the beauty of it. Um, and I thought that was very successful. I don't think it was successful in making me want to go to the Halcyon. <laughs> which, which yeah. again, as a book reader, I'm kind of thankful for because they didn't, like, Beth actually didn't shove it in our face. Yeah. She kind of showed, like, oh, the Halcyon is actually kind of filled with a lot of elite elitism and it and there are kind of certain things where han would be uncomfortable and doesn't fit in i'm like well maybe i wouldn't fit it i don't make a lot of money you know like so i i think that in beth revis's honesty and dedication to the feelings of the characters she kind of didn't overshine the halcyon too much which to brandon's point in the chat i think the halcyon legacy comic does a little too much i think that that comic is is, yeah is a little too like you'll meet (laughs) this person here's their story look at this and Beth was just like, I know this exists, but I'm not going to force my audience to want to pay $5,000. It's just kind of cool that, oh, it's that thing from the book. You know what? Here, I'll say this. And Emma, you'll get this. This made me want to buy the Lego set. That's yeah. where I got to. I want the, I want the yeah. Lego of the Halcyon. I'll, I'll buy that now. That's where I got You're You're in between not buying anything and buying a trip to the Halcyon. You're in between. That's my constant. <laughs> That's my constant zone. <laughs> I I actually didn't even think about it when I was reading. I didn't even realize that it was it was part of partly an advertisement. I mean, they weren't they didn't like throw anything in there like it. You know, it's five thousand credits a night, but you also get you know hors d'oeuvres <laughs> when you walk in here. And you're like, you know, like everything is just like everything has changed to credits, yeah. or everything has <laughs> changed to like Star Wars terms. You're like, oh, give I'm me so a glad Mon Mothma booked us on this. I've heard it books up quite yeah. a bit in advance. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I didn't, you know, I didn't really even think about it, but it didn't make me, it didn't make me want to look into it or any, like, because I mean, once I heard the pricing for it, I was already checked out. I wasn't yeah. like, I, there was no way I was going to get on this thing. So it just kind of left my mind that it was, he was even a real destination to go to. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think it worked because it didn't, I didn't even pay attention to that part of the, that part of the story. I just thought they were getting on this super classy ship that immediately when they get on the couple separates and han goes to gamble and leia goes to do you know like senatorial stuff i do like i find it funny that since i've been to disneyland i've been on the millennium falcon before i was on the halcyon that's kind of ironic to me (laughs) (laughs) nowadays Yeah. yeah i would i would agree with that i also think um someone's perception of the amount of advertising for the Halcyon depends on how much you know about the Halcyon, like the actual hotel. I know nothing. (laughs) And on the other hand, I have watched like a ton of of videos about it. And um, so I knew that like somewhere in the engine room, there was the initials HS or or, sorry, uh, HNL or something, whatever. Uh, And I, and then when I read that in the book with Han pulling out his knife, to write it in the engine room, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, got, that, I got that same yeah. moment. I was like, oh, I know that. So, yeah, that it's so fascinating how it can really go either way. Yeah, yeah. I think That's it, awesome. It's, it's so, like, dependent on on what you knew. And, and I also knew that, like, yeah. the Pantoran captain is the actual captain you meet and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. But but at the same time, like, if I didn't know all that, it, it wouldn't have made a difference at all and, and mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't feel i agree with you guys i didn't feel forced to to have to go and and spend all that money you know i, I felt it was a good balance 
or yeah. even try to save up for it. Right. Yeah. There, there. That's the after <laughs> one. We all know that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I think I knew enough, too, that it pulled me out a little bit. And I, I kind of felt like we could have not like gone to the bar and to the breakfast buffet for the pies and, you know, all those little things. We need I, pies. We still would have had the same, you know, point of the story, the same plot. Right. You know, it, it, it could have worked without all of that. So those parts did kind of take me out a little bit, but not to the point that, you know, the story wasn't enjoyable or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's a, it's definitely a, a line that you have to walk when something is advertising a real life thing that you can go and do so yeah anyways let's move on from that let's talk a little bit about uh well i'm gonna i'm gonna lead you off with a quote and then you'll know what we're talking about from page six yes page six leia had no idea what would happen tomorrow or the next day or the next but as she left luke in the shadows and met han on the bridge she knew exactly what would happen tonight Yowza, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cue the music. Um, My God, step over Anakin and Padme in a speeder. Woo! Yeah. Yes. Now, on page 20, just one more for you. This one just made me laugh. They might be in the middle of an impromptu war room with the top generals of the burgeoning New Republic, but he had a pretty good guess that the blush staining her cheeks had nothing to do with Admiral Akbar. <laughs> so... <laughs> so Guys, line. was this the sauciest Star Wars book of all time? No. 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 Sh- Hold on. We didn't get anything, like, real. You know? You know what like, I mean? I don't hear. Oh. Are you playing music, Wes? Oh, yeah, Wes, you're playing it. We can't hear it in our sleep. Oh, yeah. You can't I'm hear like, it. I'm like, what's happening? All right. <laughs> well, maybe they can, oh, they can definitely All right, hear this. Good. Oh, yeah. Someone this out is there like is 1970s. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Nice stuff. I heard it in the video. Okay, yeah, that's exactly the vibe. So, Emma, it's not the sauciest book. It's no, not. No, no. I mean, I mean let's, let's think about some other books here. I mean, we've got Lost Stars, right? Yeah. We've got, yeah. We've, we've got mm-hmm. A Crash of Fate. I mean, they're in a cave. A Crash of Fate's okay. a little saucier. True. Yeah. I, I, would, I would argue that, you know, in Brotherhood with the Speeder – might be a little bit more saucy. That alone was a lot. That's yeah, true. That was a yeah, lot. Yeah, like I think that this one was definitely more flirtatious, but it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't like get there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I I'll, I'll agree. I think this was like yeah. OT. It was a sexy, tease. Like, that's, it was an OT. Yeah. 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 OTs. <laughs> it was an OTs. Yeah, Han and Leia, this is it was so apt for them because I think that if it had been just like overtly sexual and all stuff like that's that's never kind of been no. their aesthetic like they argue and argue and then there's a kiss and they're arguing, like there there is a again not to sound like too old-fashioned but there is a chase this to their relationship and i think that she pushed it accurately like yeah it's our wedding night we know what's gonna happen it's the house yeah let's stay in bed han's not wearing any clothes like <laughs> there's bits of it here and there but it was never overly salacious i don't think yeah it was yeah. It's like uh, network TV, say like five to ten years ago, where like that say like Han and Leia, they both show them in the room and they just show the door shutting and they're just like, yeah, that's it. You don't well, get anything else. It's like Andor. Next scene. It's like Andor with, with, <laughs> yeah. when, when Bix woke up and Tim uh, when he woke up Tim. <laughs> <laughs> that's that was that is that kind of vibe, and I think that's kind of yeah. you know that is that's big for Star Wars, you know. Well, like, and I'm glad like, they like, did it that way. If it was too, yeah. like, 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I love when Star Wars takes it to the next level, but mm-hmm. with the right characters. You know yes. what I mean? Like, it's, yep. not, it's not right for Han and Leia, um, at least in this type of story. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, they, that, that might diminish kind of their characters. Yeah. I agree. If they just, you know, got it on for a chapter and a half. Yeah, I like the how it Chapter and a half? <laughs> Jesus, Wes. What, oh my what God, book are you what, <laughs> What are they? What are they feeding them on that house? Wes, we're not Those reading Ban Chow Can Pies. Oh, there's an Ao3 ah. about it for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right, so not the sauciest Star Wars book of all time, but perhaps an appropriate level of sauce for Han yes. and Leia. <laughs> an appropriate uh, level of sauce. regular sauce when you order your pizza, Put you that get on the regular back of the sauce. Book, the review quote. regular sauce. <laughs> an appropriate amount of sauce, <laughs> You have our permission, Delray. Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. Dash Utini. Appropriate amount of sauce. That's all I want. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, mystery in Star Wars. And I have another quote here for you from page 10. The, f- the beginning of this book was just rife with quotable material. So I love the beginning of this book. Yeah. yeah. Man. So good. Page 10. She was a princess, the face of the rebellion, the new government's greatest hope, a symbol more than a person. But she was also just Leia, and she was his. Han needed her the same way he needed the Falcon. Sure, he could fly without her, but what was the point? Marry me, Han said. Leia, usually so calm and collected, with the ability to face down Vader himself, could not hide her shock in that moment. And, Eric, you shared that quote last week. Yeah. But the prompt that I have for you based on it, you know, there are some things within Star Wars that a lot of people consider almost better left untold. And the main examples of that, I think, are like the tree on Dagobah, Yoda's, Homeworld or his species, right? There's some things people consider off limits. Regardless of your enjoyment of this book, was the marriage and honeymoon of Han and Leia something you would have preferred to remain a mystery? Or were you hoping to get this story? Or were you just happy after the fact for having gotten it? Oh, so happy to get it. I think there's there's none of me that is like, oh, I wish this would have... I don't want to know. No, of course I want to know. This is great. Like, I... I don't think I was waiting for it necessarily. I don't find myself waiting for a lot of stories in Star Wars because I, I think that goes back to our whole managed expectations things. Like, the stories we'll get or the stories we'll get other than my freaking Bail Organa Sabe fulcrum show, which I would want someday. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, once once this got announced, I think that my prevailing thought and, and the thought with the, like a lot of folks in our community was like, oh, my gosh, of course, of course, that sounds great. And that's kind of the vibe I try to take with it is that, of course, this is a story that happened. We know where they end up at Force Awakens. We see them at the end of Return of the Jedi. So this had to happen some way. And I was really glad we got it. I do think, though, to connect this to your earlier point, is this had felt way overly advertised and, like, really kind of disgustingly materialistic. I would have felt that it sullied that idea. And I'm like, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have known. But because of the execution, in retrospect, I was glad we got it. I agree with that completely. I don't know. I don't know if I can even think of like a story off the top of my head that I like would absolutely hate if it was told, unless it was told badly. You know what I mean? Like, what about Jar Jar and his sexual okay. relationship with that one queen from Clone well, Wars? No. <laughs> okay, we found it. That's the one. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, go on. God. You had a good point. <laughs> Did I though? There is a line. You found it. That was it. 
You found it quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if it was done, if it was done poorly, I would have been like, "But why? Why did we need this?" Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like it wasn't even just a story about their wedding or a story about their honeymoon. There was so much more to it, like yeah, how they work together as a as a couple and what the extremely early new republic looked like and by extremely early i'm talking about it is like six days old or something like that um so yeah i I think it it definitely like on the surface yeah it's a han and leia you know romance story but it has so much more than that and and i think that that's also important for people to keep in mind if you're like trying to figure out like do i want to read this is this interesting to me like Mm -hmm. there's definitely there's definitely more than meets the eye with it well hmm like y'all were saying, I mean, it, it was good just to kind of tiptoe around it. Getting into the details with it, I don't think that we really needed to... It, the mystery was there. Mm-hmm. But because they outlined kind of the marriage and then the beginning of the marriage, I want to find out what happened to where they split up now. Like, yeah, get to The Force yeah. Awakens, you know? So so they told, they told us about the marriage. Like, we all know that they got married after the fact like there's return of the jedi and then if you don't read the books return of the jedi and there's force awakens but what happens in, in between there yeah what makes them split you know so now that we got the marriage now we need to know how they got how they got separated yeah I say separate i want i, don't know I want got, luke got coming back after the temple's destroyed and telling han and leia your son killed my people and destroyed and he's gone oh god like ben's gone Ooh, and then like me. yeah because yeah, because as we say you know after we lost him like I went back to what I was good at. We both did. Like, that that was clearly a catalyst of some sort. And, like, that kind of story of slow separation over what is, for all intents and purposes, the death of a child, really, I think is a story that I, – I don't know if we'll get it in the next five, ten years, but it's out there, you mm. know? And yeah. I, I think that it's would there. be – again, speaking of mystery, that is a mystery, but I completely agree with us. That would be – wonderful to uh to, to suffer through really <laughs> yeah suffer suffer is a good word yeah <laughs> well if they did get divorced rather than just separated i wonder if there was as much ewok involvement in the divorce proceedings <laughs> as there was in the wedding can they be your divorce lawyers <laughs> it's like marriage story but with like chip chirpa <laughs> <laughs> well oh my god eric what you're what you're referencing i think and you as well, Wes, is, is kind of the impermanence of Han and Leia's relationship. And we alluded to that last week, how when you read this book, there is that that fact that you know in the back of your head this doesn't work out. And I have a couple of quotes about that. From page 85, they did not share a past. It was impossible to know if they would share a full future. They only had the now. Mm. And on page 130, Han knew who he was marrying, what the situation was. Anxiety twisted inside her. He knew who she had been, but neither of them had really talked about who they wanted to become, how they wanted to grow and shift as a unified front rather than individually. With the rebellion over, did Han assume she would quit fighting? No, Han was too smart to think that of her. But did she expect him to change? No, no. She loved him for who he was, the scoundrel side as well as the nobility that always went out in the end. She loved who she was with him, who he was with her, and who they were together. They would sort the rest out. Leia wasn't entirely sure if she was being willfully blind or if she was simply taking a leap of faith. Perhaps there wasn't a difference. So, there's a lot of focus on finding the beauty and impermanence in this book. 
An example yeah. examples of that include Han and Leia's wedding rings and the ice architecture oh, on Madurs. Yeah. So yeah. do you think this lesson helps Han and Leia appreciate their own relationship more, even though it ultimately falls apart? Basically, did the the things that happen in this book help them appreciate their relationship, even though they had to recognize its impermanence? Oh, You're man. You're a genius. Charles, first of all, can we just say how much of a genius you are? Because I didn't even notice either of Seriously? those connections. They're, oh, that's so terrible. Good. They're impermanence? Like, that's what that's it not, is. That's, that's not what you think about when you first get married. It no. shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be, anyways. Yeah, you also like, shouldn't play Sabak in the engine room, but you know. <laughs> but here we are. But, uh, there, but I think it's, it's so... I love that you hit those two things because... For those two examples, right, the wedding rings, um, I know we'll hit this at the end, but the, the wedding rings break off during the, the, the scuffle, during the action, mm-hmm. and they're replaced with, with a ring that is the moment when I cried, uh, but is like, is permanent, is then better, and I think that that's Han and Leia to a T, right, and same thing with the ice structures, they break down, they build them up better. I think that's Han and Leia. They do break now and then, but then they're built up and they're stronger and they break and they're stronger. It's like when you break a bone, it heals and then it's, it's stronger for it. Like it, like it, things like, I, I oh God, I never, I, I've legit never thought about them this way, but I think that is them. Like they go through so many hard things, but the fact that every time they come together, they are stronger. It makes you realize something that Beth Revis actually talked about when we interviewed her, um, that when they they broke up because of you know Ben's leaving or whatever. They weren't done. They were on their way back to each other when Han died. And I think that the tragedy of that is realizing that because of this impermanence, like you so beautifully said, Charles, that once they had finally gotten to each other again at the end of Force Awakens, if they had been given that opportunity, they would have been at their probably their strongest. Mm. Seems very like cyclical almost like Mm, mm -hmm. like they have their own life cycle in a way like you know they're so in love and then they you know kind of fall a little bit out of love and need some separation and then they Mm -hmm. come back and and it seems like they're at least in the beginning in what we see it seems like they're they understand that that's going to happen just Mm -hmm. because of who they are and like the nature of what they enjoy doing in their lives um and because they are so different and it seems like they accept that for the most part. And I think mm-hmm. that's just a lot of, like, self-awareness that... Yeah. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know, like, if I had just married someone, right? And I was like, oh, he and I are so different, and we're just going to, like, go on these totally two different paths, and we're, like, just going to kind of keep coming back to each other, but it's never going to be permanent. I don't know if I would have, like, gone through with it. Like... I don't know. That's it's, that's it's what reasonable. it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like yes, they're married. I, they are absolutely in love with each other, but it's almost like their work comes first. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, they're like the Senate comes first. Han, like you know, doing his jobs, if you will, with Chewie. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't know the fun. The I, but like that seems more selfish of Han than it does of Leia, I guess. Yeah. But 
Han, you know, Han's going to be Han. Han's going to Han. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think but he's also think... always going to come back and get her. I mean, that's the beautiful yeah. thing about, you know, yeah, this, this book. Do the rest it, it's, it's a new hope. It's him coming in for Luke. And, like, in Bloodline, there's a really great moment where, where Han swoops in. And it's like, okay, that that's their thing. Yeah. And you kind of see it mm-hmm. starting here a lot. And I think, like, uh, you know, Han said it, you know, like, pretty early in the book something about marriage not being him, but it's a promise or something like mm-hmm. that. And one that he intends to keep. And I think that that is like a really interesting way to look at it, and probably not the healthiest way to look at it either. Like, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I definitely was, uh, you know, kind of questioning his thinking a bit, and also Leia's thinking. I I feel bad for the position that he put Leia in by like proposing mm-hmm. to her like that quickly, and I don't know. It, it's like it's. It's hard because I I like their relationship a lot, and I think that they are, in some ways, meant for each other. But then I look at it through the lens of this book, and I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay, this wasn't, like, the healthiest relationship. Yeah. Yeah. There's layers, like an onion. Yeah. (laughs) Very don't You don't see them them going to Applebee's on a Thursday night, right? Right. Oh, no. Han wants to, though, every night. He's like, can we go to Adelaide? Like, no. No. He's like, come on. Having the you know the two for five deal or whatever they're not going to do that. <laughs> Hell yeah, Han's a fajita guy for sure. He absolutely yeah. is. Uh, so so oh, a little sorry. extra material from page two fifty five about Leia's ring. Uh, here's a quote for you: It must have broken apart in the water. The remnant slipping from her finger unnoticed. The loss sent a sharp pain through her. Leia knew that saving Madurs, defeating the Empire, that was all far more important than a ring made of organic material that was always doomed to break apart. But it still hurt the way sacrifice hunted her. And that just felt like such a microcosm of Leia sacrificing not her ring, but her actual marriage in favor of leading the rebellion or the resistance, whatever you want to call it, the Mm. New Republic, because that's what's best for the galaxy. And it just hurts. Beautiful sentence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is what Han always, you know, I, am I marrying the rebellion? I'm marrying you. I thought I was marrying, like, I thought I was marrying you is such, oh. is such a sentence in this book. I think we talked about it last week a bit. Yeah. And I think that's also a very realistic thing about a lot of marriages in, in our world is that a lot of relationships go into it without having the bigger conversations. If I thought I was marrying you, I didn't think I was marrying your job. I didn't think I was marrying your family. I didn't think I was marrying your X, Y, Z. And it's like, you got to have those talks, you know? And I think, yeah. you know, <laughs> like Han, Han lives his life in such a, a state of impermanence, as you will. Like, he isn't, he's not going to sleep in the same place. He has the Falcon and Chewie, whatever. Whereas Leia, I think, values being solid and having a family and having a place, which is ironic because she's been thrust into this life that has her moving so much and has her sacrificing so much. And I do wonder... If this microcosm, like you say, Charles, with the ring is also representative of her eventual, like, sacrificing of her son. Like, mm. does she actually give up a healthy, happy son in pursuit of helping Luke with the Jedi? Like, should oh. she have just kept her son with her? Is this ring theory? Whoa, this is ring theory. <laughs> like, a lot of – Leia's life is a lot, a lot of ifs. It's a yeah. lot of ifs. All I mm-hmm. know is that this whole situation would have been solved if they had just seen a marriage counselor before they got married. 
would have helped. <laughs> yep. and, and as we That's now know, exactly in, what Corey said. Well, and as <laughs> we now know, in Andor, Mon Mothma maybe not the best marriage counselor. <laughs> True. Maybe that's I mean, true. that's not her damn job, though. It's Two Face. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, it's kind of, it's so weird thinking about Han and Leia in like real life relationship scenarios like that because yeah. you know if you extrapolate that far enough, you could imagine Han just looking at Leia and be like, "I don't, I don't think your dad likes me." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are the conversations you have to have sometimes, you know. Yeah. yeah. Have those talks. Yeah. All be right. open. Well, let's move on from that. Let's talk a little bit about how this book may have challenged our view of the Empire or of the average citizen kind of out in the galaxy. And I have a few quotes here for you. One that was wonderful from page three. I told you we were pulling a bunch from the beginning. And this is when Leia recognizes the humanity of stormtroopers. And she says, a person, a living being had been under this helmet, the enemy. Someone shot this person before they could shoot her. And then the dead trooper's helmet had been plucked from their head and banged on like a drum. She wondered who the trooper had been. Someone indoctrinated as a child, perhaps? That happened often enough. Someone from an occupied world, pressed into service? Had this stormtrooper chosen the path that had led to their death and derision on a forest moon? Or had they simply been unlucky? Mm. Now later, Mm. on page 98, we have a quote about the passengers on the Halcyon. Leia realized that while she had lived and breathed the war for so long that she couldn't imagine not being a part of her life, most of the people in the atrium were the opposite. While she'd been fighting the Empire, many of these people had been living in it. They had been pretending that nothing was wrong. And now that the Empire had fallen, they intended to keep pretending that nothing was wrong. They had not felt the boot heel of the Empire on their necks, and so they didn't mind if it fell on others. The Galactic Civil War had been merely a shift in power that didn't affect them. They were here on the Halcyon now to joyously mark peace, but these people would just as likely have gone to a party to celebrate the Empire's victory had that been the result. And lastly, from page 108, a moment that really, really was one that struck me. Here's a quote for you. The woman replied, cutting her eyes at Leia, unaware that Leia could see her in the reflection and hear her snide, not-so-quiet-enough words. How dare she just act as if nothing has happened, she said. The woman swiped a gloved hand at her face. My son was moving up the ranks on the Death Star. He was poised for a promotion. So many died just days ago. And she's just tra-la-la off on a vacation. Leia knew she wasn't universally loved. Far from it. She was deeply aware that she had made many, many enemies. But she had somehow never thought to add a grieving mother to the list of people who despised her. So take any of those scenarios that you want... I think it begs the question, all of them together beg the question, is there a legitimate reason for people to mourn the loss of the empire? And if you don't think so, if you think it's still very black and white, did you find your views at least challenged by any of these moments in the book? Ooh. Um, I mean, shout out to Beth Revis for the way she wrote all those yeah. quotes are like so... Again, this is in the romance book. This is in the Halcyon advertising book. Like, this is why it, this is why it elevates for me, is, is moments like this. It kicks you right in the stomach. Yeah. Um, I think it is still black and white, you know, to me. The Empire's bad. The Rebellion's good. I know we've had, like, oh, like the Empire was right, fun stuff throughout the years and memes. and like No. Like, it's, it's fascism and it's not. Like, that's that's pretty clear. But I do think that there is an acknowledgement of loss. No matter what. I think the first quote about 
the 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 stormtrooper helmets being in the victory party now really freak me out because of this book. I'll be honest, like, like they yeah. did just take them off a dead person's head or shake a head out of it, mm. and I think that like they were conscripted. Like we we uh, we have read those stories of of the people that you know were were drafted or had to do it for their family, and I think that that stuff hits me. But is balanced by your second quote, Charles, of, oh, the people that weren't really affected the first time, they're not really affected now, they're so rich, they kind of just live above it all. That's like, like the canto bite of it all is like more disgusting because of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I realize they're always going to be fine. It's definitely definite canto bite vibes for that second yeah. quote of, mm-hmm. yeah, of the, the people who didn't think like there's a shift in power. They didn't care who was who was in power, just a shift there, and they were always going to celebrate whoever won, or they were going to you know have drinks and gamble or do whatever. Um, but the casualty of war, the one uh, from your first quote about banging on the helmets of uh, of dead stormtroopers, I mean that's that's the that's the sad part because whenever yeah. there's war, there's always a family behind the person who died. And like, who was this person before they were either manipulated into joining a bad um, a bad regime, or they were like drafted or forced into it. We don't really know the we don't really know the the full the full um, explanation of why they were involved with such a horrible organization. Um, but you know, they could have believed that it was the right thing to do because they were they were convinced they were talked into. It's propaganda, all that. Um, but if maybe if they had talked to the right person, they could have switched. They could have fought for the rebellion. You never know. So it's, right. those are just casualties of war are always a terrible thing. Um, and that's that's kind of that was, that's kind of my thing where I'm on the fence with the Empire too. So, um, but I mean, having been a Star Wars fan for so long, knowing that the Empire <laughs> is such a horrible organization and they're out to starve its citizens and steal minerals and strip resources um empire bad empire rebellion bad good. <laughs> put that yeah. on the back of the book empire bad rebellion empire good bad. Mutini. empire bad <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i i agree that like obviously the empire is objectively bad right like i think i think if anyone tries to argue that they're not i'm a little concerned about that that's it's whoever voted point. for Cricks in that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know you. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that type, yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, I feel like we've read so many stories, you know, read stories and seen stories about people just getting, like, dragged into it, you know? And I'm not talking about, like, leaders. You know, the leaders are the ones that should be held responsible. And for the most part, mm-hmm. for the most part, I think it's pretty obvious that people – either get forced into it or blackmailed into it or or they live on on a planet controlled by the empire and they have to do it you know whatever the case mm-hmm. might be right and and so it's like i do feel bad for for those people that you know the families that lost um lost you know children or, or whoever it might be um you know to either one of the death stars exploding or you know any right. other like horrible tragedy because it probably wasn't their choice if they were low on the totem pole. Um, you know, like in Solo, we see yeah. that Han, he joined the Empire because he just wanted to fly, and that was the only way he could. Um, so sometimes there's just, like, extenuating circumstances to it. And I think another way that the Rebellion is objectively good is that they don't do that to people. They don't, like, force people to join. They don't um, – I mean, yeah, they have their own propaganda, but they don't, like <laughs> – 
like blackmail people uh, into into joining their cause. I think that they they're definitely much more flexible and and believe in people's like freedom to like choose. And I think that, that is a good thing. And um, yeah, yeah. Don't I- you want to fight these <laughs> bastards for real? <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Okay, I believe you. <laughs> Sorry. That's a bad example. <laughs> yeah, Emma, I like I like where you took that. I think, you know, at the end of the day, even if these quotes or the scenarios in this book don't change your mind, maybe they don't even challenge your views all that much, what is undeniably and terribly sad is that the emperor and the the lowest person on that totem pole in the empire who had maybe been pressed into service, maybe had no choice, they paid the same price at the yeah. end of the day, right. didn't they? Mm-hmm. Right. They gave yep. their life for it. And it just feels it just feels unfair. Yeah. What do they say? Totally like, agree. Well, I forgot the, I forgot who said it, but it's what is war is old men talking and young and young men dying. Right? So mm. yeah. that's that's very much represented in like you know, yeah, we, we took it to Tarkin, and we took it to Palpatine, and we took it to, uh, uh, you know, a glorious dinner guest Sly Moore. Um, <laughs> but, like... I didn't see that a- coming. Who a- yeah, who, but who actually <laughs> suffered was the guys that were in those helmets that were right. doing yeah. that, you know. But still... Sorry, wrong side. Empire bad. <laughs> got it, got so it. sorry. Yeah. Empire bad. I mean... Empire bad. They do, yes. they do punch Grogu... Yeah, they do punch little little. It is Grogu. also bad. He's in a bag. Even that's if bad, that's that's not good. Even if right? the, even if those guys were conscripted, I don't Stop care. It. They are still highly evil. Empire <laughs> yes. bad. Empire bad. Empire bad. Oh man! All right. Well, on on that sobering note, I think it's time to hop into <laughs> some Easter eggs, some connective yes. tissue, and some random. Let's do thoughts. it. So please, y'all, cut me off at any point. Uh, if you're in the chat, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, and let us know if we missed your favorite Easter egg as well. So starting early on page five, flitter flies are mentioned. And basically that's the star Wars equivalent of fireflies first mentioned. I'll have, you know, in legends in the new Jedi order balance point by Kathy tires. And as far as I know, this is the first Canon appearance as far as I know. I like that on page 12, uh, Ruica, a food is mentioned. It's a blue plant. That apparently first appeared in the second issue of the Star Wars Princess Leia comic series from 2015. And in that issue, a young Leia doesn't want to eat her ruica, doesn't want to eat her vegetables, and <laughs> Bail Organa has to father her into doing it. Oh, he's the best. That's what you got to do. Yes. Eat him. Eat him. <laughs> <laughs> Up page 15, Jet Juice, which is an alcoholic beverage, is mentioned. It was first created by Brian Daly for 1979's Han Solo at Star's End. But it was later brought to canon by Claudia Gray in 2015's Lost Stars when Thane drinks some after the Battle of Hoth. And we now know it was probably responsible for many rebel deaths. So think of it as like the four <laughs> loco of the Star Wars galaxy. I have had it at Galaxy's Edge. I have also had it, it at 9 a.m. <laughs> uh, it kicks, doesn't it, Wes? Yes, yes it, it does. It, day it's day day drinking is acceptable at Ogus Cantina, though. <laughs> morning drinking. That was, that was uncalled for. I was like, oh, my God, I have to get a spot at Ogus Cantina. 9 a.m. sounds like the best choice. I wish I was there right now. I love y'all. I got to go to Ogus tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. 
All right, on page 22, uh, Governor Adelhard is mentioned, and that is the same Adelhard from the Aftermath series who locked down the Anawat sector after the death of the Emperor. Oh. On page 24, Pyra and Cinda, which are planets, are mentioned, and Pyra is newly created, but Cinda is the same moon from A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller, which was saved from Imperial destruction by Kanan and Hera. Wow. Love that. That's a callback. Holy smokes. On that same page, we have this quote. Someone who's been deep undercover at the Chinook station for years. And this seems to be referring to Rousius Paldora, the Imperial turncoat who gave Han Solo data cubes full of Imperial secrets in Star Wars Battlefront 2. And that information led to Aiden Versio and Del Mico going to Chinook Station to find Hask. You can play that level in the game and destroy the station with a cloud car. That's why it was so familiar. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That was, okay. That yeah, was bothering me wow. so bad when I was reading today. I was like, what? What is this? Why does it sound Incredible. so familiar? But I knew you were going to tell me. So. Wow. Yeah, Chinook Station. Go, go look it up. Wow. I watched the level on YouTube when I was reading this book. Anyways. Beth Revis is a big Battlefront fan confirmed. Yeah, no, for yes. sure. I think we've got some more coming later on. Um, some obvious ones for you, page 25, 26. Kess Damron and Shara Bay uh, make an Love appearance. Em. Love them. Mm-hmm. On page 30, several planets are mentioned all at once, including Hofskut, Madurs, Inisagi, Lekra, Forn, Sterdic 4. Most of these planets are new, except Inisagi is a planet from Beth Revis's other novel, Rebel Rising. And according to Wikipedia, it was her favorite planet that she created, so it's no wonder it found its way into this novel. Oh, I love that. And Sturdick 4, on the other hand, was a pull from the second issue of the Shattered Empire miniseries. Now, on page 31, yeah, we're still in the first 30 pages, guys, and I cut some. Uh, Operation Operation Yellow Moon is referenced, and that's talking about a mission that Leia undertook to distract Imperials from the Rebel fleet gathering at Sullust prior to the assault on the second Death Star. And that mission is actually featured in Moving Target, a Princess Leia adventure by Jason Fry and Cecil Castellucci, part of the Journey to the Force Awakens series. Remember those books? Yeah, they're like black and red covers. Yeah, Yeah. 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 did those, yeah. On page 32, the Day of Demand and the Rendon Sword are mentioned, and both of those are created by Claudia Gray for the 2017 YA novel Leia, Princess of Alderaan. And if you care to actually see the Rendon Sword, go check out the, the manga adaption of that story. Um, and final fun fact, apparently the Rendon Sword is named after Peter's sword, Rendon, from C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia series. Did y'all know that? No! Narnia yeah. series. Huh. Huh. No. Big fan. Narnia is Alderaan is Narnia. <coughs> Confirmed. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, very cool. On page thirty-three, more fun Alderaan references, including Appenza Peak, Lola, the droid from Kenobi, gets a name Lola. drop. WA two V. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, lots of lots of good pulls, lots of good references to Alderaan. On that same exact page, sweet mallow cakes are mentioned as a treat that Brea and Bale would give to Leia when she couldn't come to their parties. And sweet mallow is actually an akiaki delicacy from Pisana, which you can see being sold on skewers in the background at the Festival of the Ancestors. Hey, so, look at that. Cute. Yeah. Instead of instead of uh, instead of Kylo Ren snatching the beads off of her neck, he snatches a piece of cake from <laughs> from Red. Like, and she's like, "Go get this analyzed." And he eats it. He's like, "This is from Bassana." Let me take a bite she first. Is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, that'd be the best. That'd be the best. On page thirty-seven, uh, Sakis is mentioned, a Mickey and member of the Pathfinders that was created for Shattered Empire, and this is her first appearance outside of that series. Awesome. Same page, Mala Chewie's wife is mentioned. Aww. We need more Malata Buck love. <laughs> I've always said that. We've always said that. Always. <laughs> I've been very consistent with this. On page 38, one of the coolest, most in-depth pulls ever. This is probably on par with uh, with something that Trev would know a lot about. Condor dragons are mentioned. Okay, Now, condor dragons are a native predator on Endor that first appeared in The Adventures of Tebow, A Tale of Magic and Suspense, which was a storybook released in 1984. However, it was called a mantagru at that time. It was then later sure. shown in the 1985 movie Ewoks the Battle for Endor. And fun oh, fact, the dragon in that film, the Condor Dragon, was reportedly made from pieces of the Rancor puppet from Rache. Now, oh, no kidding. later, right. it was identified as a Condor Dragon in 1995's Essential Guide to Characters. And it seems like the preferred term now is Condor Dragon, but technically Mantagru is synonymous. Incredible! Wow. Okay, I'll, Incredible. Be, I'll be sure to correct correct my friends yeah, when they say Mantagru. <laughs> okay, I get it. You it's mean Condor, Condor Dragon. Dragon. When you're watching when you're watching Ewok <laughs> Adventures with your friends, like you do, yeah. Yeah, all the time, every year, weekly. Every year. <laughs> what do y'all do on Thanksgiving? Uh, <laughs> On page 42, we have this wonderful quote. What, are, what were you thinking about, Luke insisted? Your face was odd. Just remember that time after the Wampa attack? Han watched as the exact memory settled on Luke when Leia tried to pretend that she wasn't in love with Han and kissed Luke instead. Except at the time, none of them had known. Let's never speak of that again, Luke said. Never, <laughs> Han agreed. <laughs> they finally never. addressed That's it. Good. They finally got it. And by the way, hands and walked away. Also, also, guys, uh, when a woman's upset, don't tell her that her face looks odd. <laughs> Good to know. Noted. Writing it down. Writing it down. Uh, I guess I'll take that off the list. That caught me like really <laughs> off guard when I was reading it. I was like, he just Your told her that odd. her face looks odd. Like, okay, honey. <laughs> On page forty-three, we have another quote. I just love this one. The nearest Ewoks scream, charging to the other side of the hut, while some of the remaining party members rush forward to douse the flames that roared inside the wooden punch bowl on top of the wooden table placed at the edge of the wooden hut that was perched very high in the flammable forest dotted with more dwellings that were basically tinder. (laughs) (laughs) Quote of the year nominee, officially. It's all all going up. It's all going up. Too much fire. All right. On page 62, uh, Luke actually says those we love are never truly gone, which is a nice tie to The Last Jedi. On page 66, we have this quote. About time, Leia muttered, her half-lidded eyes peering up at him in mirth. For what? Han's voice was low. You once promised me a good kiss, Leia said. I've been waiting. So there's your callback to you could use a good kiss from Empire Strikes Back. Mm Yeah. Cute. I just as soon as kiss a Wookiee. I can, I can arrange, arrange that. that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Had to do it. All right, page 74. Another quote. Currently, she was dancing with a young rebel fighter. Kyrell, Han thought his name was. He wore a black Jalukan armband of mourning, and as the song ended, Leia swept into a curtsy before him, then touched the cloth, whispering some words of comfort that made emotion well on the young man's face. I don't even have I to say it, right? I freaked out. I did, too. 
Oh, Thane. Any, any callback to Thane and Sienna and Thane. Lost Stars is just yeah. top-notch. It's the best. On page 90, another quote. The Halcyon is equipped with a unique configuration of 13 engines, now commonly known as the Draybor configuration. And oh, so I that's, know that. I know that. Yep, yep. In <laughs> reference to Shug Draybor, Shug the Ancelin engineer who we met in Midnight Horizon by DJO. Gosh, let me build all 13 engines in Lego. Yes. Do it! Oh, Come on! So many yes. engines. And, and, and for people that don't know what the Anzellan is off the top of their head, it's the Babu Frick. It is the Babu Frick. Hey! Yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> the Halcyon That's- is ready! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Emma, you mentioned earlier that a lot of the uh, characters that we meet aboard the Halcyon, like Captain Dicto and Riola Keevan, you can meet them, you know, if you go aboard the Halcyon yourself. Yeah. Wes, you probably didn't know that because you haven't been keeping up with things, but you can. <laughs> and Riola in particular has some ties to other Star Wars projects. For instance, in Oga's Cantina, there's apparently a job posting for mechanics uh, to come to the Halcyon, and it is from Riola. Oh, that's neat. Okay. Yeah. So if you're... We need to ask the, we need to ask the, uh, the hostess when we get there and be like, hey... Um, are there any job openings or, um, <laughs> from Riola that, like available? And they're like, "Do you, do you really want to work here?" Or like, "No, no, 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 no." The job posting for mechanics from Riola is it is it still available? They're just like, "Can, can I ask a question? What uh, do you want to work here? I can give you a job." I was like, "Never mind." This person here is not in character. Filthy casuals <laughs> is not in character. Filthy casuals. And they try to shut you up with like 12 coasters. They just give you all the coasters. Yeah. Please, those coasters are awesome. I will give you all the yeah, coasters I, I have if you just shut up. That's so cool. <laughs> there it is. Oh, on page 108, Leia finds an ancient hyperspace compass with a superluminite lodestone. And uh, you know what else has a superluminite lodestone? Luke Skywalker's star compass from Star Wars Battlefront 2. More Battlefront 2 love. You said it. Yeah. Yep. Yes. On page 113, Boganoga, which is a drink, is mentioned. And that's a drink from Legends known to be particularly strong. So strong, it could even be used to, as an engine flush. So Ochi of Bastoon <laughs> would probably love the stuff. Oh, my God. He'd drink it so hard. It was first brought to canon in the Clone Wars TV show, actually, but wasn't identified as Boganoga until it appeared in the 13th issue of the Bounty Hunters comic series. And this is only its third canon appearance. So, Boganoga. So, the strongest alcoholic drink you can get in Star Wars first appeared canonically in a kid's show. Got it. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. Good. Good. (laughs) Apparently, apparently Boganoga puts jet juice to shame. (laughs) <laughs> You're right. <laughs> On page 116, Keelad says, I should have gotten an Ashgad prize for my targeting system, but no, that went to Urso instead. And that's a reference to Galen Urso, mm, who apparently yeah. won the Ashgad prize for one of his inventions, as first revealed in the Rogue One Ultimate Visual Guide. And shout out to Emma for finding that factoid for us. She had that guide handy and tracked it down. Well done. Anytime. I'm glad that I'm glad my reference book collection came in handy. I mean, finally. <laughs> it was it was funny finally. too for the listeners or the viewers. I asked, you know, hey, anyone have this guide? And I was like, yeah, I have it. I was like, hey, what can you find out about the Ashgad Prize? And she came back with like a picture of the page, and it's like Galen Ursa won an Ashgad Prize. Like that was it. And we're like, cool, 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 cool. No All doubt, right, no we'll doubt. take it. 
I literally messaged Charles. I was like, I don't think that this is going to be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for like some deep cut, and it was like just amazing. like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. On page 123, Han carves his and Leia's initials into a pipe in the engine room, a detail in the actual Halcyon. We already brought that mm-hmm. up earlier, but nice, nice pull. On page 133, the University of Barleth is mentioned, and that's the same yes. university where Dr. Afra got her degree in archaeology. Mm-hmm. Love okay. it, love it. Page 147, a quote here. If we bypass the central sublight compressor, we can conserve some energy. And my question here is, why is the answer always to bypass the compressor? Why does the compressor <laughs> exist? It sucks! <laughs> it's for, why Ray would you... Emissions. You they have they have laws, right? They Ray have would to, be proud. Proper emissions. Ray would be proud. <laughs> no one needs it. No one needs it. Always no. bypass. Always bypass. Bypass the compressor. The compressor. <laughs> I bypass the compressor. <laughs> I bypass the compressor. Huh. On page one fifty six, Pack Pack, which is a language is mentioned, and this is actually the name for the language of the Neomoidians that first was established in legends, oh. but it was brought back to canon in Mike Chen's Brotherhood earlier oh. this year. Love that. Page 159, we get our, say it with me, guys, obligatory Tuka Cat reference. Every canon novel never fails. All right, page 176, a quote. And then a couple of laser brains and a walking carpet had saved her from the Death Star. So nice callback to A New Hope there. Some of her insults. Well, that's what that's from. On page 180. I'm glad you do these, Charles. I, can, I wouldn't know what that was for. On page 180. I'm not upset, Han said quickly. Riola's yellow eyes widened slightly, but she didn't press the matter. I just want pie, Han added. So Han is officially all of us. <laughs> we just want pie. Who can't relate? Who can't relate? Yeah, totally. What do you think, what do you think Han Solo's favorite earth pie would be? Go. Uh, uh, pumpkin. Uh, lemon meringue. Nobody that's likes so, That's so strange because I was going to say key, I was gonna <laughs> say key lime, literally. I say chocolate cream is where I'm going. Chocolate cream. Damn it, key lime pie is so good. <laughs> that's no business being that good. All right, page 183. Han turned toward Leia. But why does it have to be an ice world, he groaned. We got enough of that on Hoth. On the bright side, Leia pointed out, there are no tauntauns. Have I mentioned how bad those things smell? Maybe once or twice because it's bad. Oh, I've heard. The inside is worse than the outside. Yes, that has also been confirmed. So nice back and forth (laughs) about tauntauns. So silly. The beginning of that sentence has major, why does everyone want to go back to Jakku energy? Yes. It it absolutely does. Spiritual successor. (laughs) On page 187, she'd saved 100 refugees on Wabani when she was 16, but that hadn't been enough. And I believe this is in reference to events in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, but Wabani is also where Jin Ursa was held in an Imperial labor camp in Rogue One. Yeah. Also, right. Wabani is an anagram for Obi-Wan. So there's that. I never knew that. Move, oh my what? god! Move those what? letters around. It's Obi-Wan. Wow! You had to, is it just a coincidence? You had to know no, I was going to find not. a way to bring him in here. <laughs> there's no way that's a Oh my god. Wow. All right. Huh. I'm not going to recover from that one. The That's more a lot. you learn. <laughs> <laughs> On page 196, it was easier to pretend the Imperial flags weren't there if you didn't look up at them, but that never made them go away. So nice callback to Jin's line from Rogue One. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. On page 249, this station had not even remotely been destroyed. It was fully operational. 
And anytime you call something fully operational, especially a station, you're referencing Return of the Jedi. Come on. Fully operational battle station. (laughs) On page 251. Oh, Carabast, Han thought. So there's a little nod to Rebels for you. Woo! Or the F word. Or the F word. That also. Fudge ripples. (laughs) Fudge ripples. And then we went a very long stretch without anything that I think was really super significant to bring up. But I did want to end this on page 320 with just a nice thought. Beck could not possibly have gotten orders from the Emperor since Han and Leia had arrived on Madurs. Palpatine was dead. No, the fact that she had fled on a shuttle meant that she'd gotten orders from someone else. Someone with the authority of the Emperor. Was it a puppet? A shadow figure operating under the rumor of the Emperor's survival? Possible, but if so, who was pulling the strings? Or had the Emperor named an heir, one already assuming command? Hmm. Another Battlefront callback, Ooh, I think. Yeah. No, I think that is a Palpabots. It's a Palpabot, right? Palpabot! <laughs> Operation Cinder. <laughs> yes. Exactly uh, apparently it. the Emperor could, in fact, be giving orders. Wow. Yeah. But that is it, wow. guys. Those are all of the the best Easter eggs that I could find from this book. And it really was full of them. I mean, I didn't think I was ever going to finish the book when I was like 30 pages in and I had like a three page (laughs) document going in Google drive. So all that said, let us know again in the chat, or if you're watching this after the fact, uh, leave a comment. Did we miss your favorite Easter egg? I'd I'd love to know. Uh, Now that we've gotten through all that. Thank you very much. I'd like to hear everyone's final thoughts on this book. So whoever wants to take it away, go for it. I'll start. Do it. <laughs> I thought the uh, the beginning of the book was was great, especially with the events immediately after Endor. Um, Leia thinking back on um, on her her Force abilities and whether she whether she. If she pursued that, she would turn into her father, and that was like that was really deep, and that was like only in like the first what first fifty sixty pages of the book, yeah. maybe. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I didn't I didn't go through the page. I mean, I listened to an audio book, so um, but just the first part of the book was really really good, just because we know that like we was in Return of the Jedi when Yoda's just like, no, there is another. <laughs> You're like what? I can't believe it. Um, that so, was uncanny. Is Yoda here? <laughs> was that- <laughs> Amazing. So just her even um, pursuing that and even thinking about it mm-hmm. was amazing. And then we do know that she trained with with Luke um, after that. But um, I also thought it was really cool to get into the part where the Empire was still functioning after um, after Return of the Jedi, after the Death Star had fallen. Obviously, we know that. Um, so she. Beth Revis really picked on a lot of points that we've been wondering about. What exactly happened after uh, Return of the Jedi, after the Battle of Endor? We, we've seen a couple snippets in, in Battlefront, the video game. We've seen it in some in the comics. We've seen it in, in books. But we haven't actually got the immediate the immediate uh, events right after Return of the Jedi, which I think was was super cool. And um, yeah. also there the remnants of the empire are still going. So it's not, it's not as if it, if everything's hunky dory with the rebellion or the new Republic now, right. I mean, there's still people out there that are, um, I mean, are they the rebels now? Do we call them rebels because they're not part of the new Republic? Ooh, it's uh, book. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but great read. I mean, especially audio version. 
fantastic. I think this is the one where um, they had. Correct me, correct me on this. the on the narrator. So we got Mark Thompson yep. Yep. reading Han and Saskia. Saskia. Saskia Marvel. That's all name. Saskia, Saskia Marvel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she she did Leia. So they did back and forth. Yep. When Han did a chapter, Leia did a chapter, and at the very end, Han and Leia are going back and forth in the same chapter, which was really that cool was a to nice see. Touch. Um, yeah, they did a great job beautiful. with that, uh, especially in the audiobooks. I love the audiobooks. If you if you're having trouble just sitting there reading, you fall asleep, read the audiobooks. It's very very well worth it. Yeah, pro, pro tip from a narcoleptic. Uh, <laughs> read, yeah. read, read and listen at the same time. It works. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree completely. I thought this book I, – I really love this book. I think Beth Ravis absolutely wrote the freaking crap out of it. Just yeah. to kind of say it in kind of a, a lame way, but she really did. I think that the, the beginning parts were some of my favorites. I think that – some of the political intrigue was some of the best post Rot J stuff we've gotten. Um, the way that people are feeling about the burgeoning New Republic, uh, everything Leia and Vader was some of my favorites. Obviously, Leia and Bail and and uh, was was just it hit my heartstrings. But also the way she wrote some of these lines about Han and Leia. I said it last week. I'll say it again now. This is the book that finally made me understand Han and Leia's relationship. As, as fractured as they are, and as much as we talked about them earlier, they have deals with impermanence. They they have some issues. The way she wrote, the way they look at one another, just was so perfect and beautiful. And I'm like, okay, I'm on board. I understand it. And I think that is such a feat. And uh, I'm really, really, really happy we got this. And it didn't feel like an ad. It didn't feel like a cop-out. It just felt like a really, really solid book. Very happy with it. Yeah. I think overall I was like – I think I was happily surprised with this book. I mean, I was excited for it, but I was I was worried that it would be just a straight-up romance novel which isn't a bad thing right but but i was i was pleased to see other sort of aspects of the galaxy and getting to learn more about what's going on at this time because i mean it's kind of funny like we have a lot of canon content in this time period but we still don't know a lot about the time period you know what right I mean? <laughs> so um so i was pleased about that and um i just love the way that beth revis writes leia uh, specifically and han as well um i think that they're just you know, it's hard to write these legacy characters, you know, because they have such a voice it that really we is. we know, you know, and we yeah. we think yeah. that we know exactly what they should sound like. And so when an author nails it, you know that they have done an absolutely great job. And I think that that is definitely the case here. Um, and, yeah, I thought that the, you know, the Halcyon stuff was, was cool, not too overdone. You know, I think when this book was announced, we literally all simultaneously around the world said, oh, God, please don't be too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but we're like, thank you, Beth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so like, thank you all about for coming through. Yeah. And um, uh, just to close out my thoughts, I think I, I need another Beth Revis Star Wars book like ASAP. I, I love yep. her writing so much. And uh, I just, I mean, let's not wait another, what was it, like five, five years years about five so. years yeah 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 let's not let's not wait another five years Mm-mm. if anything we do get a story from her in the uh return of the jedi series like the, the oh the from a certain empire point strikes of view? back and the, from a certain point of view yeah gotta be right please yeah that oh would be cool God. gotta be another I mean, oh what if she does a um like an andor tie-in book i would love it i i'm what so what if she does a bix book 
<laughs> I can't <laughs> hope. I can't hope anything. They they they've been they've been failing us so hard on the tie-ins to the shows, but I know that would I be know. really cool. Oh. That'd be really I know. cool. <laughs> Someone's gonna. Break it's a Bix cycle. and Tim romance novel. That's what we need. Ew! How about anything but that? I don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any more, Tim. <laughs> I, I, oh, love, I, love, I, love, I love our Tim, though. Just not Yes, our Star Tim is great. Tim. Yeah. The Tim. Eugene yeah, Tim is great. Our, our, Tim, our Tim would have stopped and not ran like yeah, an idiot. exactly. <laughs> our Tim is great, without fail. Well, I think y'all pretty much covered everything I would have to say, from Tim being awesome to uh, this, this book being awesome. I think Beth Revis really did a phenomenal job. When this book hit, it really hit on every cylinder of that 13-engine Draybor configuration. Like the the yes! Leia starting to, to kind of figure out her connection to the Force, to her finding Vader's uh, funeral pyre. I mean, so much of that stuff was so phenomenal. And there was just a little bit of a lull on the Halcyon itself for me, but... You know, all, all said, this is a great book. It's definitely worth the read, and I had a lot of fun along the way. Yeah. So, yeah. That's it, guys. Another roundtable in the books. How long do we have off till the next one? Like a like a week and a half or something. Couple days. <laughs> all right. Well, all High Republic from here on. Uh, I know I, it sounds like a broken record at this point. We got to find other ways to say it. But Charles, just incredible work, man. You uh, these. Yeah. Like you, y'all heard it. Like there were several times where Charles would read something, and we all just went, "Oh God, <laughs> man, I don't know." <laughs> like there, I mean, you would think that this so man good. has a has an English literature PhD or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, that would be so much more useful than your stupid yeah. doctor. <sighs> yeah. Come on, what are you doing? What are you doing? When you say you're a doctor, do you mean you're like a doctor of like English literature? I'm a doctor like <laughs> Pepper, that kind of doctor. Great. The doctor, great. Regardless of what doctor you are, I just hope that you have elbow patches. That's all I want. <laughs> uh, but for everyone watching and listening, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this. Uh, again, next week we'll be back uh, telling you everything that happened in the High Republic Phase 1 to get you all ready for Phase 2, which, again, is dropping tomorrow. Head over to com, Hang out there. But for now, my friends, that is going to do it. For this week's episode of The Living Forest, if you support us on Patreon, thank you so much. You really are the reason we're able to do everything we are able to do around here on the site and the channel. We hope you very much enjoy. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, Robert Thomas, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier, Ashley Ingalls, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Iverson. Charles is at Z. Hancock. Wes is at Boss Wes. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. And Corey is in Pearl Harbor and will get his Twitter handle when he returns. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor. Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire. And Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Charles, Wes, and Emma for piloting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for hanging out and watching and listening. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.